0: up, everyone. Another solo pod here to uh, get you through your Thursday. Thank you so much for reading at golongtd.com, subscribing, and of course, listening to the podcast. We've got a lot planned for the podcast. I promise Jim Monas will be back in action very, very soon. He's a busy man flying all over the country for the XFL. Hey, let's kind of switch gears here uh, for this episode. We've Rightfully so, been spending quite a bit of time talking about the Green Bay Packers and the New York Jets closing in on this Aaron Rodgers trade, which it sounds like they are inching closer toward a resolution, which I think regardless where you stand politically on this issue, it's pretty nonpartisan that something has to get done very, very soon. Emotions are running high. Good Lord, last night, the... The phone was blowing up with more Jordy Nelson discourse. I I noticed that there were some uh, allies still complaining that Green Bay let Jordy Nelson walk and that that made Aaron Rodgers a very unhappy man. I think it's just another case of Brian Gudikins being dead on correct to move on. When you look at Jordy Nelson's numbers in 17 with Green Bay, uh, what he did with the Raiders in 18, he just kind of lost it and he lost it Very quickly, he was out of the league after that 18 season. So kudos to the Packers, once again, kind of moving on a a year earlier as opposed to a year too late. And yeah, let's just get a trade done. Let's move on. I think it's very, very obvious. That's what both sides want. That's what everybody wants. And the fact that there's reports coming out that Green Bay may be kind of softening its uh, desire for... Draft capital for whatever they're asking for is a sign that Brian Gutekinds, Matt LaFleur, Mark Murphy want to officially unveil the Jordan love era and leave Jordan, leave Jordan, leave Aaron Rodgers in the past. And, uh, good luck to the New York jets on that front. So we'll keep you abreast on the situation. Bob McGinn is going to join me for a subscriber only podcast. When that trade does go down, Bob, obviously the, the reporter who stuck his neck out there to, uh, Announced to the world, Green Bay is moving on from Aaron Rodgers. Green Bay is starting Jordan Love. So we'll have Bob back on to break it all down and provide his perspective. You can subscribe to that, golongtd.com. And, yeah, the Buffalo Bills, another topic of conversation at the site. Uh, Brandon Bean had some comments. Sean McDermott as well. It's very strange to see and hear Josh Allen and the headlines and them wanting their best player to really do anything differently. That that should be about as low on the priority list as it comes. But I have a column up at Golong on this all, so I'll just kind of let my thoughts on the subject live there if you'd like to check it out. Here on the podcast, I thought we'd uh, talk some Atlanta. Atlanta Falcons and... They don't really come up often on this podcast, but I have a feeling that this season that they will. All of a sudden, the NFC South is pretty darn intriguing. You've got Baker Mayfield looking to resurrect his career in Tampa Bay. You have Derek Carr heading to the New Orleans Saints with Jamal Williams and Chris Olave and Michael Thomas and Demario Davis. Cam Jordan, a lot of talent still on that Saints team. Is Carr the player who gets them back into the playoffs and back to doing damage, possibly? We got into Carolina on the last episode. They had money to spend. They've been spending it very wisely. Love the Miles Sanders signing, Adam Thielen. What about Atlanta? And I know we were a little critical of the Falcons early on, especially on the heels of, hey, Love me some tight ends, love Kyle Pitts uh, but J- Justin fields is in is in your backyard helps you in so many ways football, business marketing every box you could you could you could want a franchise player to check he could potentially check that box uh, and now Chicago's building around justin fields they they got the heck out of that first overall pick uh but Atlanta I think has made some really smart moves, and I thought that the uh the acquisition of Clayus Campbell today says a lot. Because when you really think about it, Clayus Campbell is going to be up for the Hall of Fame. This is one of the best defensive linemen of the of a generation, right? I mean, he does everything. He defends the defends the run so well. Gets after the quarterback was kind of the face of Saxonville. The that team that really was one or two plays away from getting to the Super Bowl with Blake Bortles. He always is taking in younger players under his wing. One of the absolute best veterans, leaders, a defense could ask for. Everywhere he goes, he makes an impact. You know, he spent, what, 2008 to 2016 in Arizona. And then he heads to Jacksonville, helps change everything in Jacksonville, spent the last three seasons in Baltimore. He's up to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Pro Bowls, still playing at an unbelievably high level too. I mean, he's, What, 36, going on 37 years old soon? Uh, And he's proven, I I think watching him last season, he can still get it done. Five and a half sacks, 36 tackles in 14 games. And take it from Dan Campbell. Uh, This is Dan Campbell down at the owners' meetings. Oh, my gosh. I just keep watching game footage. He's a force to be reckoned with. You put him in a close end. You're not running over there. He can rush as a three-technique. Still on third down, man, he's got length, he's got size, he's still quick. Um, And the decision of Calais Campbell to choose Atlanta says a lot. He really could have gone to not every possible team in the league, but pretty damn close. I think that there was a really good market for Calais Campbell. He had meetings set up with the Jets, with the Bills, The Lions wanted him. I mean, imagine him next to Aiden Hutchinson. Their second overall pick really came into his own late in the season. And and, Jacksonville, they were interested in bringing him back for reunion. And he chooses Atlanta. This is a really smart player. The fact that he chose Atlanta, actively decided to go to a team that's gone, what, 7-10 and back-to-back seasons, Terry Fontenot, Arthur Smith, Uh, nobody has really said a peep about this team, I feel like, in months. I know it's an SEC country. That's part of the reason why. If you live down there, it's all about Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Florida, college football. Um, The Falcons are, sometimes they really struggle to gain traction in that swath of uh, the great United States. But if he's choosing Atlanta, he, he thinks that this is a team that can win sooner rather than later. And you look at their acquisitions, David Onyemada, a defensive tackle from a division rival in New Orleans, really one of those players that uh, we don't talk nearly enough about. Really good versus the run, still gets a good pass rush. 30 years old, he's done it for a while. You still have him in his prime. You know, he's going to be playing alongside Clayus Campbell. Uh, Taylor Heineke comes in as your backup quarterback, smart signing. A member of the all old school team at Golong, of course, many consider that the highest of high honors uh, to get him at two years, 14 million, a steal. And, and he came in and immediately said that he views himself as a backup. Uh, but he made that sign of like, oh, he's going to compete with Desmond Ritter and we're going to get into Ritter here in a second. Uh, but elsewhere, Jesse Bates, obviously the big signing. The more I think about this, the more I do kind of like it. I mean, at first, I wasn't really sure. It seemed like a lot of money, right? 64 mil, four years. Um, Atlanta, they, they, they pounced. I mean, they went after him early. They do have the out after two years, potentially. The more you really think about it, they, they, they have to spend. They have to be active. They have to go after right tackle, Caleb McGarry, three years, 34.5 million. Hayden Ellis, an outside linebacker, three years, $21.5 million. Mike Hughes uh, kind of got his career back on track with the Detroit Lions last season. He's only 26, corner, two years, $7 million. They didn't mess around. They signed some players. They competed last season. And if you had a chance to catch a Falcons game last season, and you probably didn't, you would have you seen a quarterback that was holding them back. Um, Mar- Marcus Mariota. Uh, was starter from day one. It, it was odd to go that direction. It did seem like the Falcons are kind of biding their time to get to this off season and and trying to hedge their bets, drafting a third rounder Desmond Ritter and trying to develop him. Mariota Mariota was really holding them back. I mean, there there were so many games when you watch the Atlanta Falcons where, my gosh, you've got. Kyle Pitts wide open down the field. They can't hit him. He's not getting schemed up properly. That's going to have to be a point of emphasis this season. Somehow, some way, getting Kyle Pitts involved is really a crime that in 10 games he catches all of 28 passes for 356 yards and two touchdowns. Um, This is the real deal. This is a dynamic threat the position has not seen. Take it from the greatest tight ends ever. You know, while I was doing this reporting for Blood and Guts, Tony Gonzalez, Rob Gronkowski, George Kittle, all of these tight ends had so much good to say about Kyle Pitts. And I I almost thought it would go the other direction where they would kind of point to Kyle Pitts and mock him almost and poke fun and uh, here's somebody that doesn't want to get his hands dirty. You know, glorified receiver. And there was some of that. But in talking to Pitts myself and those who know him best, he will develop that part of his game. I think he did develop that part of his game last season. We didn't really talk about it or even look for it, uh, but he, he, he'll he'll get down there in the run game. He's not going to line up in line 30 snaps a game, but he can give you that element. And above all, he's a matchup nightmare. You have to find a way to use Kyle Pitts in your offense, and they just didn't do it. Drake London, I mean, another big receiver. London, Pitts, They're really kind of building the offense around just these long, tall, physical receivers. Cordero Patterson, um, when it's all said and done, he he might be a Hall of Famer with his return statistics and just how he completely redefined himself as a running back. Might be jumping the shark a little bit there, but, man, if you're going to get return specials, and he's a threat to go the distance any given play. What about the quarterback? It always comes down to the court, and that makes Desmond Ritter one of the most fascinating players into this season, because we really didn't see a hell of a lot of him. He started four games, won two, lost two, didn't throw an interception, threw a couple touchdowns, a little over 700 yards. They saw enough in his development to very early in the game here, in this offseason, publicly tell all of us he's our starting quarterback. And that, that, that says a lot right there that Lamar Jackson is available. There were some whispers at the combine that if he is available, and I remember at that time Baltimore wasn't sure which tag to use or we didn't know yet, and there was this, You know, a prevailing thought that if he was available, Atlanta would make a run at him. Uh, Two first round picks would be worth it. They were one of the first teams to come out and say, we're not interested in Lamar Jackson. So those rumors were put to bed immediately. And then at the owner's meeting, here they are making it very clear. Desmond Ritter is their starting quarterback. Taylor Heineke, when he came in, he says his job to be a backup. He's going to be the best backup he can be. So, They let him know this is Desmond Ritter's team. He's going to have a shot. What was he? A 74th overall selection out of Cincinnati to be this team's starting quarterback. And I would love to give you all a ton of Desmond Ritter analysis, but I can't because I didn't see him enough. And hell, I didn't see much of him in college. He's a mystery to me. And I I can't wait to uh, sit down with Desmond Ritter at some point and just learn more about him because if, He's got a team around him now. I, he, they really are building from the inside out, not unlike Detroit, Carolina. That's important. Uh, I think Arthur Smith. He's he's caught a lot of criticism, rightfully so. Uh, but what he did in Tennessee offensively does say a lot. I mean, I think he does want a run first, run heavy, multiple, diversified offense that just hits you in a different way, but hits you with a lot of physicality. And let's pull up Bob McGinn's draft series from 2021. I want to pull up what the scouts had to say about Desmond Ritter. So they he had him slotted as the fourth best quarterback in the draft. This is straight from Bob's draft series. And again, it's for our paid subscribers. So if you want to get draft coverage that is unique and straight from the scouts mouth, personnel men's mouth, coaches, Bob is talking to these guys around the clock to bring you authentic, real, good, bad, ugly takes from what the NFL figureheads really do think about these prospects. And he's gained their trust over a number of years. Here's what they say about Desmond Ritter into last year's draft. From one scout, quote, he kind of remind, he kind of reminds me of a body-wise. He kind of reminds me body-wise of Sam Bradford. Good over-the-top release, good athlete, good arm strength. Throws the ball very well to the left for a right-handed quarterback. I look for that when I do a quarterback. Has deep ball accuracy. He's slippery, dipping under pressure. I just didn't like his thin lower body. I don't know if that will affect him or not. Another scout. He's not as accurate as Pickett. That's really where the difference is. He's worthy of taking a shot in the first round. Are you going to feel like you solved your problems? Or just hope for the best? He's unsure. A third scout. He won some big games. He's a very talented athlete for his size. Size is 6'3.5", 213. I really questioned his accuracy. The biggest knock on him was his accuracy. You've got to figure out if that's correctable or not. And that's where we should know. uh, He did complete, what, 63% of his passes as a rookie. So that's pretty good. You know, small sample space, but pretty good. Okay, this is a fourth scout. He didn't have a good pro day. He's the most overrated and is going to benefit from a not very good quarterback class. His intangibles are excellent. He's a winner, an athlete. I just don't think he's a natural passer. His release isn't very quick. His arm strength is okay. I don't see a starter. So all over the board, even you know a scout there who has doubts, though, notes his intangibles, the fact that he won a lot of games, the fact that he's an athlete, that matters in this offensive scheme. If he's more accurate than Mariota, that that matters. He's younger. Maybe a little more pop to his game. Um, yeah, we're going to follow this because uh, it, Atlanta is a team that maybe could do a little damage. The NFC is going to be wide open. It sounds crazy. Talk about the Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons in these terms, but there will be another Jacksonville out there. Uh, probably a leap to say there's a Cincinnati out there with the leap they took. uh Joe Burrow his second season in 2021 but Atlanta Carolina like what they're doing if you have money to spend spend it and spend it wisely both teams did it from the inside out see how far it takes and we'll definitely make a point to uh check back in on Ritter and see what's going through his mind right now he's a busy guy you know he's a father uh taking over a football team this is a team that wants to win now. These signings reflect that, and the Calais Campbell signing alone says plenty. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. GoLongTD.com for all columns, all podcasts, all features. And like I said, when the trade goes down, we'll bring Bob on. You can catch that podcast over there at the site. Thank you so much, everyone.